Sketch 20 of Zora Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James O'Connor. Zora Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed. By William Alexander McKay. Sketch 20. Reverend Charles W. Gordon, B.A. Opening parentheses, opening quote, Ralph Connor, close quote, close parentheses. Zora's popular author. It has frequently been said of Canadians that they have produced no literature worthy the name, and that until they possess this, they cannot hope to take rank among the foremost nations of the world. The charge may be partially true, but it is more true that during the past half-dozen years a son of Zora has given to the world a high type of work, peculiarly Canadian, and that could only be pinned by one whose heart beat full and strong for his native land. It is not more than six years since the pin name of Ralph Connor first appeared in print. Today one of his books is standing fifth in the list of sales in Philadelphia and ninth in London, England. The American sale having reached the 65,000, his plunge into fame has been phenomenal in the literary world, but his career has only begun. The author Ralph Connor is the man, Reverend Charles W. Gordon, B.A., pastor of St. Stephen's Presbyterian Church, Winnipeg. Mr. Gordon is not the first of fame in his line of ancestry. His mother, herself a woman remarkable for her strength of character, lofty piety, and mental power, was a cousin of Reverend Andrew Murray, the renowned leader of the Dutch Reformed South African Church, and of the late Robertson Smith, professor of Hebrew in Cambridge College. She was a sister of the famous author of Christie's Reference Troubles, Miss M. M. Robertson. Mrs. Gordon was the daughter of a Scotch congregational minister, so that the subject of our sketch comes naturally by his love of divinity, through both lines of ancestry. His father, Reverend Daniel Gordon, having been pastor of Harrington Presbyterian Church, Zora, for many years. And a wonderful man is his father. His descent on his maternal side is traceable to the celebrated Stuarts of Fincastle, and through them to Mary, Queen of Scots. When but sixteen years of age, he traveled with the great Reverend W.C. Burns during a mighty revival throughout Perthshire, Scotland. In 1849, he came to Canada under the auspices of the Free Church of Scotland. After three years of earnest labor as a missionary in the province of Quebec, he received a call to Indian lands, Glengarry County, Ontario, which he accepted. The life of Reverend Mr. Gordon and his young family during the succeeding years were full of hardships and trial, all nobly endured, and splendidly overcome. May it not be that the seed of that passion for rough nature, 
as well as his great love for the untutored pioneers of our civilization, which have made Ralph Connor famous on two continents, was sown while his home was cast among the forests of Glengarry and the hills of Harrington. The senior Gordon is a man of great force and originality, over six feet tall, full-bearded, and full to the fingertips with highland fire. He is spending his latter years in London, Ontario, and here he will regale his highland friends any day with such strains as Loch Aber No More or Mackintosh's Lament on a set of pipes given his father by the late Duke of Gordon. With such a parentage, it can be little wonder that Charles W. Gordon has forged to the front. He has become possessed of a noble heritage of deep intellectual and spiritual power. Undoubtedly the secret of his subtle influence in reaching the hearts of his readers. Eleven years old when he came to Zora with his father's family, he went at once to work to earn money to pay for his education. Working in the harvest field during the holidays, and doing what chores he could during winter evenings, till he was of an age to teach school. His course at Toronto University was a promising one, many honors and scholarships falling into his lap. Quote, he sailed through his university course as on a summer sea, unquote, says one who knows him well. Quote, For though gifted with an alert and comprehensive mind, Ralph Connor never bothered about studying, end quote. The same deep, tender sympathy is as much with Mr. Gordon in private life as it is present in every page of his literary work. He can count his friends by the score in all parts of the Dominion, and he has enjoyed the intimate acquaintanceship of such well-known people as Lord and Lady Aberdeen and the late Dr. Henry Drummond, whom he is singularly like in his winsome, genial disposition. If candor, simplicity, concreteness, and suggestiveness count for anything in literature, Ralph Connor has given us two valuable books, Black Rock and The Sky Pilot. His characters are the people of the wild and free West, where men soon learn to dispense with the superfluous things of life in older lands, and true to them, he has not burdened them with tedious descriptions or abstract discussions, which often spoil an otherwise interesting book. He has embodied in the sky pilot Christianity and has proved in a beautiful series of descriptive scenes its power to win, help, and save even the sensual and depraved, as represented by Bruce, the intellectual and scholarly young Scotchman, but at heart the coarsest of all that terrible company of the noble seven. Then he shows us what Christianity can do for a spoiled child like Gwyn. Naturally high-spirited and masterful, she was completely ruined by indulgence, and when the day of adversity overtakes her, her foolish friends stand helpless before the task of making her life tolerable by self-control. A pilot, however, steps in and fills her heart not only with patience, but makes the canyon, an unsightly chasm, 
Providence had ripped up through her life to bloom with flowers of the rarest beauty and fragrance, those flowers of the spirit, love, peace, meekness, and self-control. Gwyn is equally successful with the beautiful but haughty and rebellious Lady Charlotte, who, too, had her canyon with no flowers, nor seeds, nor soil, till she looked at life through Gwyn's window. In Robbie Muir, a penurious Christian is held up as a fitting object for the world's scorn. The opening of the Swan Creek Church and the pilot's last port are tender chapters. The former lets us see what the Spirit of Christ can do with an unlikely man in an emergency. There is pathos, as well as grim humor, in dear old Bill's words. Tain't in my line, but the pilot says there's got to be a prayer, and I'm going to stay with the game. The last chapter of the book entitled the pilot's last port leaves us with the swan creek people offering their tribute of tears to the memory of a good man thus reaffirming the conviction that held the pilot steady that first sunday evening in swan creek when he exclaimed men can't live without him and be men the new york critic said recently in commenting upon mr gordon's work Quote, his spiritual value as a writer of idols cannot be overestimated, and much could be said about that spiritual touch all his own, so rare, subtle, sure. His best book has yet to be written, and those who know him well know that he has a tremendous literary power in reserve, not power which is being occasionally withheld, but which is lying latent. He has it in him to write a book which could easily stand first in Canadian classics. End of Sketch 20 Recording by James O'Connor Randolph, Massachusetts July 2010